Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. You know, we just came through holiday season, and one of the things that I hear again and again, of course, is people get, they're vulnerable. And of course, we always think about somebody who's older, who got an email, a package that they didn't get, and all of a sudden they're clicking on something and they're paying for something, they're getting conned. So we want to talk about in this this session about cybersecurity. Yeah. You know, my my comment to clients now is I'm not concerned about the guy in the front door, it's the guy in the back door that I don't see. Mm. That could really come back and hurt me. Yeah, because our finances, I mean, we, we talk a lot about, you know, making the best choices, trying to move move your life forward, build what you need. Right. But some of this stuff can be derailed by um, someone just a- attacking you, basically, in, in a digital sense, that they come in and try and get access to your accounts. Um, there's all sorts of fraud schemes that we see in, in the news and hear from friends and hear from clients. And so what we're talking about today is some of the, I guess, better practices, I guess, yeah, best and- practices of what you can do to take steps to make sure you're not the most vulnerable out there. Yeah, and I think most of the time we we zero in on somebody who's older that may not have the same sophistication of technology that somebody is in their 20s or 30s would. But the but the truth is everybody's vulnerable. Yeah. And everybody has had an instance maybe where they have given information they shouldn't have given or potentially they've lost some money uh, with a scam. Yep. But we want to talk about how do you protect yourself, yep. right? And it's it's a important, I think, multi-generational conversation. Like we've, a lot of people know we're, we're related. And I think with, you know, we've had moments where you've handed me your phone and said, oh yeah, could you do this and hand it to me? And you know, I would do the same. And I think that's a relationship. But there's other families who to say, hey, let me see your phone, mom or dad. Hey, can right. I check on this for you? That becomes very personal and very private. And so you know, how do you have that conversation with, one yourself, but also with your, you know, kids or grandkids, but also with your parents if they're still around. That technology is so useful these days, and it can it can be so useful. But there's some standard things. That the first few things we're talking about are not rocket science. Right. They're not overly complex, but they're things that surprisingly, um, there's a fair number of people who who don't have these protections in place, and it allows them to be vulnerable. So anyone who's listening, one is first look at your own you know digital security, but then second think about your parents, think about your right. grandparents even right. of what what steps might be useful to make sure that they don't fall victim to this stuff? Because, you know, someone getting access to your bank account, someone getting access to these things um, can be catastrophic. I mean, we've, we've had we've had instances where I've had clients who have lost yeah. not just insignificant money, but they they hit a they started talking to somebody. Most most of the cybersecurity comes through your phone and it's as simple as answering it. And you have somebody at the other end who starts to tell you a story mm-hmm. or starts to persuade you in some way. Next thing you know, you're kind of hooked in. That's why they, yeah. that's why they, you know, again, it's really, really important that really you hard. protect yourself no matter what. Yeah. So let's jump into some of the, the yeah. initial items. The first one is a password, yep. which to me seems ubiquitous. People have passwords on their computers. They're going to have a password on their phone, but statistics says not everyone has a password on their phone. In, in fact, it's kind of interesting. Older people, 
the the majority of people don't have passwords on their phones. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It was it's an odd number to me that there that there are people out there that still don't have passwords on their phone. And there's there's thumbprint passwords, there's facial recognition passwords, and there's kind of the, the older fashioned PIN number you know, right. that you can have. And for folks who are you know out and mobile and active, they may think, "Hey, I need to have this. This is great." For folks who consider themselves say, "Well, I just live with my spouse. You know, there's not a risk here." Right. If if you lose your phone, you misplace it. If someone steals it from you. Um, in any of those, if you don't have a password on your phone, they then have access to everything your phone has, which could be banks, could be emails. I mean, email is a big one because that resets a lot of your other passwords. So it's a it's, it's a big deal. So number one is is just putting a password on your phone. Yeah, that, that's and that one. if you have a smartphone, that's a pretty pretty straightforward thing to do. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you update your phone in the last year. Uh, they're probably going to probably require that you have a password in right. there. So that, that's step one. And to make sure your family, you know, they all have passwords. And then you deal with what do you do with passwords? You know, right. moving away from just the phone to your you know, computer. It's the biggest frustration of people yes. is that everybody requires a password. Right. And, and a lot of them are the same. Like some people right. will use one password, that one similar password across little platforms, which I know is discouraged, but people will do that. But then you come across sites that say, well, I need three special characters or you have to have a capital and whatever it may be. A lot of them are the same these days, but some are different. And we have had more than one client or someone, just, or even family members of mine, get just getting frustrated to saying, I have 74 different passwords they have to remember. They have a little black book with all the passwords in there. Yeah, a good old fashioned piece of paper written right, down. Right, exactly. And it, it's interesting. There, there's one side of that to say, that's not safe. That, that that's That's not the best item. There's nothing to say. If it's in your house and it's you know a piece of paper, it, it's fairly safe from the outside world. You know, it's not very safe in your home. You know, if, if if somebody were to find your piece of paper, but from the outside hackers, you know that that's a fairly safe type way to do it. Um, so there's just making a list, you know, trying to keep that secure. Um, and most and most people are not that organized. They'll open up or they'll go to a site and they'll require. So they'll write down a password. Oftentimes, what they do, they use the same password that they've used maybe ten times before or more. Yeah. And that's what hackers want, because if they can get that, if they can get that from you, then they know they can get into other sites that you've been yeah. to potentially. Well, just try say, oh, I got this password. I'm going to try their bank account. I'm going to try their right. other things. So some of the ways that people deal with passwords is one, writing down a piece of paper. Some maybe just memorize them. Um, another thing that that we do and a lot of our clients do is that we get a software, soft, a software that's a password manager. Right. So there's one password. Um, there's a number of these out there that they will manage all your passwords. So you remember your super password, whatever it is, your one pass, the, the, the main password. And, it's, and, it's, and we've been using it for a long time. Uh, and frankly, it works really good because yeah. we can go into multiple sites. We hit the one password. We type in, you have a different password than I do, mm -hmm. but we type that in and it remembers the other passwords and it fills in the data where it needs to be filled in. It yeah. actually works out really, really well. Yeah. When you come to a website that you're new to, that you're setting up a new account, you know, a lot of these softwares, it'll say auto-generate a password and it gives you a string of gobbledygook, you know, numbers that, right. that don't mean anything to anybody, um, but it remembers it for you. And so mm -hmm. I don't know the, the, the passwords to half the sites I get into because my manager knows them. Right. Um, so that's, that's a big one. The other one that you know is called dual factor authentication. And this is where you go to log in and then you get a text message and it says, you're attempting to log in, please give us the code. And you right. put in the you know, digit code. Um, that's becoming a more and more or useful just a verification. Tool. Sometimes it's just, are you trying to get into this site? And you can say yes or no. Yeah, I think Google has that. Right. If you go to Gmail, it'll alert you. So to any of those sites that you can turn on, 
that's a useful one. I have that on everything yeah. as much as I can. So I, I, when I'm working, I set my phone out and it's in essence all day long, whenever I log in things, it's buzzing right. my phone saying, is this really you? And on one side, that's frustrating. I want to say that's um, um, slowing you, want, you down. You want the safety though. Yes. And if someone were ever attempt to log in, that's the part that I like about it. If someone tried to use my password, if somehow they got my password and tried to log in somewhere, somewhere my phone's going to buzz and I'm going to get a thing that says, hey, is this you? And one, I could say no, but two, I then know, oh man, I've got something that's compromised. I think that's the biggest idea is you may not even know you have something compromised until it's later. So having dual factor authentication is, is great. The last thing we'll talk about for passwords is what happens when you pass away. Think about estate planning. Um, some people, they have that little slip of paper and they've told their kids, hey, it's in the drawer, go find it. Um, and others, you know, all your there's family a, photos. There's a lot of information on your phone or up in the cloud that you've stored. Yeah. And there's no way to get to it because nobody can find the password. They can't yeah. find, how do you get into all that information? And there could be some really, really important, not only personal private, but also governing documents for your estate there. Right? Yeah, that's right. And as we, as there are people who are, you know, have the online businesses, you know, they have a, um, uh, say a YouTube account that generates revenue. Well, they may think, Hey, that's not my issue. That's, that's, you know, their, their thing. Right. But if, if there's generating revenue, there's some ownership, there's some intellectual property there that if you were to pass away, what happens to it? Does it just absolve? So Google and other companies have some, um, structures you can sign up for that say, you know, if I were to pass away, you know, they won't allow the next generation to get you know access as though they were you, but they can provide the document. So it's an interesting thing to look at. There's a number of folks who in their wills will will reference digital media to say that legally all this passes to the next generation. So, you know, it, it still could be a pain to get it out of these these websites, but, you know, at least having the, the legal some access to it right. and you can get to it. And again, you have to leave a trail. You know, that's the whole part of doing a good estate plan is you leave a trail. You You want to know you know, the heirs, you're telling them who gets what and when and how. Well, you know, that kind of stuff is up in the cloud. Everything is on the technology. You need to give them the same path. You yep. need to give them some path so they know how to get to it in the event that they die suddenly. Yep. And we've had some instances where people have died suddenly. They don't plan. Everybody thinks they'll have time to kind of plan this out yep. and do it appropriately. But we run across situations where people, they don't have time. Yep. And all of a sudden, boom, it's done. But even having you know two spouses that both have their own access to the bank account. Right. We've had a number of spouses who will say, well, it's only set up through my my spouse's email. Right. And so the only way for me to get it is to try and go through their phone and it becomes awkward. Right. Um, you know, it could be overcome, but it becomes awkward. So we talk a lot about passwords. The second, which I'm guilty of this, I think a number of people are, is updating your software. Wow. Um, that, that's a pain, right? You get a buzz, needs to update your software. I think a lot of laptops and cell phones are getting better at, at making it harder and harder to not update. Right, right. But a lot of these times, the reason they're updating is they found some sort of a bug. Uh, they found some sort of an issue and they're trying to update it. I'm always skeptical that, you know, my battery seems to be worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden the new phone came out. Oh yeah. I was thinking there's something in there that's, you know, getting me. Digging it, digging yeah. it out. Yeah. But the reality is oh, the software is there's fixes and you know, a number of folks either don't turn on automatic updates or they just don't do it. So they think of, you know, someone listening, think of their phone, but think of your parents' phone. Like, have they updated their software? Do they and have I, the most I'm recent stuff? I'm guilty of that because I, I don't want to mess with it. It always seems to tell me at an inopportune yes. time, do you want to update? And I'm thinking, okay, they're going to shut down my phone for 10 minutes and I don't want to do that. But now they'll let you do it maybe at midnight from yeah, like, to, like to schedule early it. morning or something. And so you schedule for that, you hit the button, and it'll automatically update your phone when you're asleep. Mm. Uh, so it's not going to interrupt your day and your activity. I, I like that. And those are features that you can you can get to pretty quickly yeah. and pretty easily. Now. Yeah. And that's a level, uh, you know, it, 
the, the the updates they have in software is to is to block the more sophisticated hackers and right. things like that. Um, so those are useful. So passwords, updating software. The next is a spam filter. Um, most every email provider has some type of a spam filter. Um, but putting those on, we'll talk in the next section more about you know phishing emails, what do you do with those? But you know, there is so much junk that just comes out. And to screen it, yeah. screen screen the the plainly obvious ones, it's useful. Think of you know, someone who's you know looking to retire, think of their parents. Their parents have an email, which they probably do, and they're getting you know a third of the amount that that, that you probably get. You know, you you've got to have something in there helping you weed those out. And there's a lot of spam filters that will help in that process. Yeah, I mean, people that are again, most scams to seniors come through a phone call. Mm. They don't know who's at the other end of the phone. They don't know if it's a kid or they don't know if it's somebody that's 90 years old. But once somebody answers the phone, and that's where the spam filters, like, for example, you get a phone call. I get on mine now, and it says a spam risk. Yep. You know, So the phone company now has things that they can put in place that will block that phone call, phone call from coming yep. in. I, I very seldom will answer a phone call that I don't know the number to. Exactly. And it's just I let it go to voicemail, and I'll check it and see, was this a recording? What was this? Um, that's become a common practice for me. And yeah, I think there's probably some generational items of, you know, people, the phone's ringing, I got to answer it. But to say in this present age, you know, unless it's someone yeah. I know, I'll call them back. I'm sorry. And most yeah. people understand that now too. Yeah. Or if they always missed you, I looked at yeah. it. I didn't realize it was you. Yeah, I called you for back. Sure, for sure. So we're going to talk about, um, we're going to follow this up with additional conversation about phishing and how you can take care of what, first of all, what it is and how you can defend yourself from people that are trying to get to your personal information. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back, and we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to talk about fishing. We're not talking about fishing going after the trout. We're talking about the bad guys fishing for you and trying to get you to answer something that you shouldn't be answering. This is a very common problem, isn't it? Yep. And it, you know, a decade ago, it was just emails that looked ridiculous. Right. You know, and looking back, they're almost laughable what they were. But now they are sophisticated. They're coming through people's phones now. Yep. That said, you know, especially over the holidays, there's a lot that said, hey, your, your package is delayed. Click this link. Well, I mean, who doesn't have a package right. around Christmas time? That, that's right. somewhere. Um, very tricky. And then when you do click on them, you know, there's all sorts of different versions of what they're trying to get from you. Um, but but phishing is most often through an email and they're trying to get a business owner, a business employee. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get a senior, someone who you, you know, thinks they need to help someone or actually college kids was another one of saying a lot of these college kids are you're looking for part-time jobs or looking for stuff. And there's some of these scams. There's one we were reading about that was, um, you know, we're going to send you a check and you need to send this check on here as a vendor and you're the middleman, that's your job. 
and they feel like this is a job they have and they can make money on the side and then realize they get caught before it's too late that those are fake checks and they you know, had them run through the bank account. You know, there's all sorts of red flags. But still, you know, when you're looking for a side job, there's reasons why you ignore red flags. Our brains want to, if there's something that we want, we, we want we, to, we want to respond. Yeah, right? we want to get past those red flags to make it work. And we have to be very careful. Mind, I guess when I get, you know, I get something, I get, I get a lot of emails. Um, the question is, is it important? Is it, is it pertinent to my job? Is, is it also pertinent to my relationships? Should I open it up? But I am amazed at how personal these phishing mm. emails can get. They can actually use names yep. of people that my family or associates that I've worked with. And all of a sudden it pops up with their name. It's like, uh, but it seems a little not quite right. I guess yeah. maybe the best way to say yeah, it. Yeah, and almost to the extent saying it smells fishy. You know, <laughs> like it, I don't I don't know exactly what's wrong with this, but it's, and right. and there's 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 phishing, which is in these broad emails. There's also what they call spear phishing, which is kind of what you're saying, where it's very specific to a person. You know, my name is on, on on the internet. You know, as as a person part of a company, um, they when I was a, working in a law firm, they could find the structure. Say these people are partners, these people are associates. Their names, their emails, right. all those are out there. And they, they, there's companies out there that de- I mean, companies are fraudsters, but they'll develop these emails that say from this person to this person, making it look like it's that email. Um, but you're right. There, there's there's the fishy ones. You know, an example being someone who has a typo. But they don't usually have typos. Right. Someone who has bad grammar, and that just doesn't seem. It's not enough to say this is clearly bad deleted. Just, just give you an example. We had an email from a client who sold a house recently and moved from California to another state. And we got an email supposedly from him saying, you know, I've closed escrow. Can you send me $150,000? I forget exactly what the dollar amount, but it was significant. And I went, this is not, mm. this is not something that this client would do. So the first thing we did is we got on the phone and called the client and the client said, nope. That's not yeah. me. And not called the client, you know, using the, the number provided, but right. the one that we knew, you know, the we information the that we could confirm, called them and it, yeah, it was, they were able to confirm that was not us, you know, please ignore that. And we, and, you know, as a firm, what we do is that when somebody requests money, even if it's on a regular basis and it's customary to that account, we call the client and verify, is this what you want? Is yeah. Did you send this request? Because it's so prevalent. It's so yep. prevalent that yep. someone can get access to email. You know, and they're they're not just blasting everyone like they used to. They'll go through and look, you know, yep. a financial institu- institution, a bank, what can they do? Um, so kind of the phishing, we talk about what it is and what are some of the protections. Yeah, the law firm I used to work at, we had an IT department that we could send odd things to. And that was really nice. And you just forward it to them to say, hey, we, we'd forward this. it and we'd say, this looks odd. What do you right. think? And they would open it in a, I don't know, a virtually safe <laughs> you know, environment where it wasn't going to cause any mischief. Because the hard part I find is what do you do with these emails? Because some of them are clear, just delete them. But there's some of them that when you look at it, you say, well, if it is from my Like bank, you say, like the package. Yeah, if it is my package that's right. delayed, I'd like to know about it. And I think for a lot of my a lot of people, that's a good quandary of you just have to ignore it because to click on it then opens yourself up to these things. And it used to be you could get something on your phone and it was fine. Whereas now that's been inundated with- Well, let's go items. back to the package thing because I think that's something we can- I mean, we just came through Christmas. Yeah. I mean, everybody got- Tons of stuff from from different departments. Yeah, and everyone, Amazon, I'm sure, had whatever. something delayed. You have the ability to call the person or the entity and say, "Is my package delayed?" Instead of instead of mm. answering the email, no, oh, like go to UPS, go to UPS, or go to Amazon or wherever. Say, "I got a note. My package was delayed. Did that come from you?" Yeah, independently and, check it, and they will typically respond quickly. 
mm-hmm. and you get you you typically already have a route. You can just email them, but you could also call them. Yeah. And that's a good kind of like I mean, we just use Amazon as an example. If I got a text that looked like it was from Amazon that you know my package is right. delayed, rather than clicking that link, it's very easy to go into the Amazon app, which I know is secure and you know for the Amazon system. And check my packages, right? Rather than Jug, you're saying rather than click on it. And that, that's a good comment to say. Don't basically don't ever click on that link if it's at all fishy. Find an alternate way to confirm. And you it. know that typically they don't respond to you in that way. They don't they don't reach out to you in that way. So again, you have to be you have to be mindful. Yeah. And I think more importantly, you have to be skeptical. Yeah. If something comes in, you you always have to kind of deal with it with a with a sense of skepticism. Because you don't want to be pulled in and be vulnerable, yeah. right? And a good comment, you know, even for people talking with their their parents or older generation to say, yeah, if if you send me, if they think they get an email from a kid that says, "Hey, mom, can you help me? Can you send me money?" and that's odd, you know, make that a normal thing. Well, just call me, like, or call the grandkid or whatever it is. Like, use the number. Don't use that email, but but call me independently. Reach out and you know confirm what it would be. A, a comment that we wanted to say as well is when you have. Um, you know, a phishing email, something like that, especially as parents, you know, older generation starts getting a little older. Right. Um, it's really beneficial, we found, to have, you know, healthy conversations first, but also to have an extra set of eyes. Mm-hmm. So for example, if someone's aging um, and they're becoming a little more vulnerable. They're, they're starting to have some memory issues. Yeah. For them to have $10,000 going out of their bank account is probably not normal. Right. And so to set up a bank alert whenever $10,000 goes out. Or whatever dollar amount. Yeah, whatever is reasonable and have that alert go to that person as well as to their trusted family members. There's probably some real benefit to to catch things earlier. The other one is is credit monitoring. Same idea to say, you know, if you sign up for credit monitoring, you know, the alerts can go to the individual. They could also go to their their son, their daughter, their grand grandchild, someone who's a trusted family member. Um so they can just have a second set of eyes on things. Yeah, I mean, we've had we've had several family meetings where we sit down and talk not only with the with the client but also with the children. And in some cases, even the grandchildren, where we bring them mm. in, because we recognize at that moment that everybody is, they want to do the right thing. Yeah, everything wants to. But if somebody's health or their mental health starts to 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 decline, we want to make sure that what's our next step. So as an advisors, we don't want to be part of something that would be really hap- that would be negative that would yeah. happen to that client. Yeah, and uh, just a comment from experience here: if if you're having the conversation with a, a family member for the very first time, <laughs> when this is starting to show up, it, it's going to be a hard conversation. If yep. you have this conversation much earlier and just going to say, "Hey, you know, someday I imagine this would happen. What do you think about that?" Right. Yeah, someday. Well, let's do that. And um, having those conversations earlier, not in finite terms, but in generalizations, how how do we you know care for each other? I think it's very healthy. So when you get to a certain point to say, hey, it looks like this might be time for us to mirror that thing we talked about. Maybe, maybe it's about moment to do that. What do you think? Yeah, and, and it's a hard conversation. Yes, it it's really going to be hard regardless, yeah, right? It but is. it's much better if you've already had some, you know, right. some underpinnings. And they understand the extent at which they're still independent. I mean, independence is an extremely important thing, especially us as Americans as we age, to still have your independence. But there's a level at which you can have assistance right. with independence. And that's kind of the, the benefit here of talking about this how do you set yourself and your family up for success in a digital world? And so much of what we do is to get to know the client and have an interpersonal relationship, professionally, of course, but understand the needs and the requirements of that client. And over time, you get a really good understanding of what they're going to require, what they're going to need, and the uniqueness of their individual, what they're trying to accomplish. So what we try to do is we try to help understand, first of all, what that is and set up the framework 
to help them make good decisions about their money. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.